Thanks for downloading today's UW Alumni Voices podcast. I'm your host, Josh Van Campen. Today we talk to Michelle Hammond, Group People Advisor at Mother in the UK. Michelle walks us through a journey from studying psychology at UWA, moving to London, working in HR, and how technology and the pandemic are making an impact. Michelle will give you insight into finding work, standing out from the crowd by seizing the opportunity provided by change to grow and thrive. Podcast starts now. Michelle, you moved to London in 2017 after completing your honours in 2016 at UWA. Now, over a thousand UWA graduates currently live in the United Kingdom. So why London? So, yeah. So, I mean, the unglamorous version is that um, my boyfriend moved here. (laughs) Um, And I actually initially really didn't want to come. So, spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, I I completed my honours and I eventually dragged myself over here and I thought a year tops. Like, I really loved Perth. I mean, there's nothing to complain about with Perth. I think it's such an awesome city. And, I mean, yeah, I definitely could have continued living there. Um, But, yeah, so I was nervous to come, didn't really want to move. But I've since realised that was, like, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, or well, I've been encouraged to make. I perhaps wouldn't have made it on my own. So what was the, hesita- um, what was the hesitation uh, moving over there? Were you just quite comfortable in Perth? Yeah, I was really comfortable in Perth. Like all my family are there. A lot of my friends, well, at the time, all my friends were there. Um, it's just a beautiful city. I'm obsessed with the beach as well. So I was a bit nervous about that. <laughs> um, and I was nervous about the weather, as I'm sure that's a typical thing people will yeah. ask people in London. Um, but yeah, no, just like, I was just worried I wouldn't like it. And I mean, I'm just such a summer summer girl so um so i was a bit nervous about that but yeah no it's actually been one of the best decisions i've i've had that's you know that i've ever made to move here so why you know you're saying it's the best decision one of the best decisions you've ever made so why has it been such a great decision that you made so i mean london is a really busy city which appeals to some maybe not to others but even if you aren't such like a big city person and i mean i don't think anyone from Perth would think Perth is a big city (laughs) so and that's where I'd lived my whole life before moving um but London is just like it doesn't feel like a big city even though Mm. it is so you get all the amazing like opportunities of it being a big city but like I think I can't remember what the stat is but something like 47 percent of space is like green space so it's like a really green city so compared to like New York, right? Mm. Where it's really built up, like everything's brown. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of New York, so maybe the wrong person to ask about New York. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've always loved London. The only reason I didn't want to move initially was I probably, a big part of it was being away from family and friends and the weather. Yeah. But like since living here, that you really, the weather just doesn't get you down. There's so many things to do. Um, there's so like theatre, you've got the parks, you've got like travel. I mean, how much of Europe I've seen since living here. Um, and then ultimately like the job opportunities, right? So there's, Mm. there's, it's such a big city, which I've said before that has so many different people and cultures and everything. So you're getting the best of both worlds, I think. And like, if you do, if you are really worried about the weather, which I was, Europe's really not far away. So (laughs) I know you no doubt have taken advantage of that. Let's yeah. talk about your career. You know, what is it? You, Cause you work at, you're the group people advisor at, at mother. So what is the perception of your role in HR, but what is the reality of working in HR? Yeah. So um, I remember when I was actually thinking about working in HR and a few people actually tried to talk me out of it. So like there are definitely aspects of HR, which can be tricky. 
so things like er so like employment relations and the cases like you know grievances disciplinaries and things like that so for me that was that was hard to adapt to because i'm mm. just naturally a conflict averse person so i did struggle with that like i mean i remember the first uh, like redundancy consultation i had to sit in on um it was awful i like froze i couldn't even type you know there's there are bits of it that are not so glamorous mm. and and that is definitely one of them so I just literally couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even type. I was there to take notes. I was like a fresh eyed assistant, like there to take notes. And it's a good appliance thing to take notes, by the way. It's not like I was just doing that for fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's parts of it that are not so good and things like, you know, everything that you do is really is confidential. So you can't really talk about it to the wider business. Like mm. you're quite limited in, in who you can talk to and about what. Um, but I mean, that's like the negative stuff, right? And that can be, I think, um, a way that it's seen externally so like some people can see hr solely that um but it there's so much about it that's really positive and hence why i'm still working in it today mm. so like and i think ultimately your experience of working in hr is totally dependent on the company that you work for so i've been really lucky to be part of like mother so a leading creative agency and the culture is very different to something like a bank or a law firm or mm. something like that I mean, we get to do really cool things like, I don't know, recently we've been working on like well-being and, and making sure that our employees are, especially during coronavirus, which I'm sure we'll talk about yes. later on. Um, but yeah, just like our main aim is like ensuring that we're part of like a happy and productive mm. workplace. So we get to have really great relationships with our employees and you have really good, like strong one-on-one -on -one relationships with leadership as well. Um, and get to focus on like the fun stuff as well, like welcoming someone to a new job. Like there's nothing better than making sure someone who starts in a new role has a, like an amazing first day and, and basically setting them up for their journey at, well, I'm talking about mother, but wherever you work for other people in HR, you know, setting them up to really succeed and thrive with, with a company. So that's like the bits that I love. So there's really good stuff. And I think a lot of that will depend on where you work and and obviously in what role in hr that you're working in as well do you talk with any of your counterpart counterpart counterparts <laughs> in other hr areas for you know other companies and maybe share ideas on how they welcome employees or you might share how mother welcome employees because no doubt every organization and i think everyone that will be listening to this podcast has been introduced to their company on their first day quite differently yeah no definitely and i mean like the whole thing about you know talking to other companies and and everything is is super important like finding out what other people are doing and i mean we we have a um uh, what would you call it like a an agency i guess over here not an agency but like the government body for advertising it's called the institute of practitioners in advertising and they sure. often run like events where you can meet with typically they are from hr but not necessarily it can be leadership it can be any sort of anywhere along anyone who works in advertising um, and you get to talk about and you network and you know it's a great way to meet people as well as to like find out what other people are doing and I mean I don't want to talk mother up too much but we are like a really it is an amazing agency to work for and they are really forward thinking and a lot of the stuff that we do is, is you know like known to be not we do I mean I'm not saying that I'm doing all of these things but a lot of the stuff that mother does um, is really awesome anyway can you give us some examples of, you know, say forward thinking, have you got some examples of how they've been forward thinking? Jeez. Okay. So um, 
in terms of inductions, like in terms of welcoming people or um, just everything. I mean, you, you were talking about how forward thinking they are as, as, as a company. Yeah, yeah. So can you give us some examples? I mean, in relation to like the work they do, they, I mean, I think they're like agency of the decade and they've won so many awards. I mean, that does definitely not come down to me, of course, <laughs> but um, the work is really awesome. And they're just, they're, they're just focused on the, the way that they treat people is, is, I mean, I've never worked for a company that treats people so well. So well. I mean, there's been like, there was one um, staff member who, um, whose family was like diagnosed with a terminal illness and they ended up like led, paying her for three months while she yeah, was well. off work supporting her family. So like, I just don't think that there's many companies that support no. their people, like paying her like as her normal pay, right? Um, mm. For So, I mean, just, just the little things, like in yeah. terms of the people, obviously the work, just their initiatives as well. Like the they have, what is it called? Like mother projects. And they had um, a blown up... Um, like breast on top of three different buildings to support like mums who breastfeed in public and to try and make it, you know, like aware. And like, if you Google it, it'll be around. I'm totally not giving it justice, but things like supporting working mums and, yeah. you know, just, yeah, loads of, loads of stuff. So I've been really lucky to have, to be able to work there. Now, interestingly enough, HR wasn't the career you set out for when you began your UWA journey. You actually majored in anatomy. So what was your dream job growing up? Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. Um, that was a long time ago. Um, I loved human biology at school. Um, so that was actually what made me want to study it at uni. And I actually thought I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. Um, so I thought I could study anatomy and become a human bio teacher, which I actually still think about to this day, maybe one day in the future, I'll do that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, studying it at uni was quite different to studying it at school. And I personally found like a lot of it was rote learning. So whilst it was like super interesting, it was a lot of rote learning, especially in first year. I'm sure that it would change as the years go on, but I actually didn't continue anatomy after first year um, and switched to psych, mm. um, psychology. Um, so I always loved psychology, but the reason I decided not to major in it on the outset was because... I didn't want to be a practicing psychologist. I always knew that from the beginning, but it fascinated me. It really interested me. So when I realized that anatomy perhaps wasn't for me either, I thought, why not? Let's just do psych. And, and there's so many career pathways that that opens up anyway. Mm. So um, I thought, you know, even if I don't want to be a practicing psychologist, there's still lots of other things I can do. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did studying psych change your career path? Yeah. I mean, so I think, I mean, whilst studying psychology is definitely not mandatory for working in HR, I think it definitely helps for careers such as HR. Mm. Um, but I think it's just, it was just really interesting for me. So I really liked that people aspect, that social psych aspect. I think that's helped me to become a better HR person, but I also think it, yeah, it's just really interesting. So did you make a change, not necessarily for, from a career standpoint, but more from an interest in education standpoint? Definitely. I definitely didn't have career in mind at that point. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's at the back of your mind, but I wasn't like, I'm going to do psychology because it's going to help my career. I just, yeah. I just definitely thought it was really interesting and wanted to learn more about it. And, and I loved it. And I definitely don't regret that at all. In your position in HR, do you provide any 
educational and career advice where you go, you know, if you're interested in that study, just go for it. Don't think about, all right, I have to do X to, and you know, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, have to do this to get to that point. Yeah. I mean, mostly um, people wouldn't necessarily come to me with those sorts of questions. I think it's, I guess that is probably more someone who perhaps isn't already in the workforce. Mm. Um, so from a work point of view, that's not really what people would come to me for, but I definitely agree with that. Like I really don't think you need to be thinking too long-term about what you want and who even really knows what they want. Like I even said earlier that I'm still considering yeah. like one day. Um, so yeah, I think people just need to jump in, do, do what interests them more so than career wise. But I, I mean, there's obviously benefit to thinking longer term as well. Absolutely. So if there is something you want and you know that there's a great career in it, then definitely mm. go for that too. Absolutely. Now, Mother has supported you financially with your IPA Foundation course, a certificate in advertising by UK's government body. What does it mean to you when a company invests in you? Yeah. So again, I'd like to start off by saying like, I am very lucky to have been, to, to have been financially supported by Mother and they are a really incredible agency. Mm. Um, but yeah, so how that came about was actually, um, I have an amazing manager, Shana, who um, really took um, an interest in me and my career. And, and she sort of like about after a year of working at Mother, she um, sort of sat me down and was like, you know, what do you want from your career? Which, which is amazing to have, at, especially at that point in my career. Um, and I didn't know. And obviously working in advertising, it's so exciting. Like people are going on shoots, they're flying to South Africa when it's like, one degree in London and then the middle, you know it's like there's there it was all very exciting part like to be around and to be a part of um so it definitely opened up my eyes to different industries like I had mm. never ever thought about working in advertising before getting this role um so she said why not take this course do it and, and it will open up your eyes to what the world of advertising is like and you can learn a bit more about it and at the mm. very least you can understand the industry more that you work in which only makes you a better HR professional anyway so um yeah I mean it's obviously very um supportive and and like I'm very lucky to have been put on that course and I and I did learn a lot and I actually did think about perhaps branching out and working in a different um role within advertising as well um that actually hasn't happened. And, and mother again was super supportive of that. They actually offered to, to let me shadow um, an account manager for a few mm. weeks. And it didn't end up happening actually, because um, we got really busy with some of the HR initiatives we were doing. And I wanted to like put my, my efforts yep. into that. But, um, but yeah, so that was how that course came about. <laughs> now I think we've kind of touched on it before, because you know, with working in HR, you know, do you approach employees providing them opportunities to take courses or is that coming from a management level? For us, um, it's definitely a management level. We're a really small team in HR. So we've got the three of us um, and we work not only for mother, but we actually work for other companies as well. Um, we're kind of outsourced to some other like mother group companies. So they're quite okay. separate, but um, so we are quite a small team for, mm. for a very large number of people. So we don't really have capacity to have like a specialized like L and D learning and development um, department or like function. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't necessarily approach people, but the way we manage it is definitely via, via, you know, their line managers or however you want to call it. Um, and they'll have like a budget and they will likely see where people in their team need to focus on and they mm -hmm. can kind of 
um, progress that budget towards certain people if they need to develop a specific skill. Um, so it got, but it also goes both ways. So um, one of our employees actually asked their manager if they could do a um, comedic like improv course um, and they put on that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, that's another an answer to your earlier question too about being like they're supportive of like what their employees want to do and they just try and encourage that as much as possible. So yeah, it definitely goes both ways. It, with mother showing so much support to their employees it, it is one of their key, I guess, goals is when employees like yourself are out in public or in the recruitment phase and be able to share what mother do that people go, Oh, wow. Like this is the company I want to work for. Yeah. We've been really lucky to have a lot of like external interest in, in, in mother. I think I would predominantly say that is because of the work that goes out. So I think a lot of creatives and we are a creative based agency as well. Mm. So I think a lot of um, people have trained to be creatives are really keen to work there for that reason. And then once you hear about the work, then you look into the company and you hear, mm -hmm. you know, find out all the other stuff that they do. Um, but yeah, it does definitely attract talent and we're really lucky for that. So a lot of the time, I mean, we haven't even had a recruitment function within mother until this year where we hired a um, recruitment director. So before then we were using recruitment agencies, yeah. but yeah, we're really lucky to have like a really strong, um, level of talent interested in working for us. Now, as everyone knows, we're going through a, a pandemic, which has affected <laughs> not only industries, but employees and, you know, us as individuals. So what have you learned about yourself during this pandemic professionally and personally? Yeah, the pandemic. <laughs> um, I was definitely expecting a question on this one. Um, what have I learned about myself? So when we began lockdown, um, I absolutely hated it. I'm talking the lockdown aspect. Obviously, there's so much of, to, um, to this pandemic. But mm. from the beginning, when it became a real thing, <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I really didn't enjoy it. We were locked in our little tiny one bed flat. Uh, we weren't allowed outside. Um, it, was, it was really hard and I really didn't like it. But what I've definitely learned about myself is how much I've been able to adapt and how much I've actually surprisingly adapted almost too much. Like I've really quite enjoyed parts of lockdown. Um, I've enjoyed taking a step back um, and not doing something every night and going away every weekend. It's actually been really nice. And I know we were chatting about this earlier, but we've got a little puppy as well. Um, so like my life in general has changed massively um but yeah the major thing that for me is um has been mm. the the ability for myself and i'm sure many others to adapt to to new ways of life and new ways of coping how different will working at mother be in the near and distant future yeah i think for not just mother but like for all companies there's going to be massive changes to the way that people work mm. um most notably like the flexibility um people are gonna like it's gonna have to be a more agile workforce you know it's it's not people aren't gonna this whole like come in at nine leave at five mm -hmm. not that mother was like that anyway but you know that that's just not sustainable and i think the more that people have realized that you can can work flexibly and i'm sure a lot of companies have been surprised themselves so mm -hmm. like how much they've been able to get done and like 
you know, recently mothers won a pitch and, and they like the fact that they can win a pitch whilst everyone's working from their living rooms just goes to show you can actually do what you would have done in the office. Yeah. So I think the flexibility is going to be a massive thing. And I think most people are going to say, well, you know, we've all demonstrated that we can do it. So why not? And whilst, I mean, a lot of workplaces, I think will have already had like formal flexible working policies in place or not, not necessarily policies, but like attitudes to flexible working, I think they'll have to be honed down. And I think um, that's just, just going to be the way of life. Companies are just going to have to be more supportive of a flexible way of working. Mm. Has it been easier for you as well from a HR standpoint of people working from home? Yeah, I mean, there's so much that comes with it as well. So it's not just like, yeah, people can do it, but there's all the like the legal aspects. So, you know, can they work from home? Are we, um, you know, liable for if something goes wrong when they're mm. working at home? And because we've all, like every company has been so thrown into this, um, no one's really had that time to develop mm-hmm. all those intricacies and, and make sure that everything is done properly. And, you know, the, the health and safety considerations, like I, for one, um working from my bed or my couch a lot of the time because we don't have a, a um, table <laughs> in a one bed flat. Um, so I think there's all those little bits and pieces that come into play. So while some of it, yeah, has definitely made HR and I'm sure like facilities teams, um, mm. given them a little bit of a headache in some aspects. Um, but on the other hand, if people are happier and they're enjoying it and they're able to work better and more productively and, you know, if it's better for the people, then ultimately it's going to be better for the work. So, so yeah, there's the good and the bad, I think. <laughs> Have you noticed even in some individuals, a, a, a shift go, Oh wow, that person's more productive than before. or They're quite happy, but then also the opposite you go, Oh, I think this person is really keen to get back into the office. Definitely. And we've had to obviously um, consult with employees about, you know, the potential return um, to, to the office. And some people just absolutely can't wait. They're obviously living, you know, in share houses with five different people and they're all based off one living room table. And that's probably been really tricky for them. Um, whereas other people have really loved the flexibility, um, you know, being able to step away from your desk and not feel guilty about it and go for a walk for a minute and then come back and be more fresh minded mm-hmm. and maybe they start a lot earlier because they don't have that hour commute in the morning or, you know, that there's, yeah. So a hundred percent, there's mm-hmm. been people where it's suited and people where it hasn't, but I think like the future of work will have to adapt to that as well. There'll always probably be an office base, but whether or not people use it, it will be hopefully be optional, but I think that will be longer term. It will take yeah. some time. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, HR's biggest value is in helping leadership make the most balanced, empathetic and kind decisions that provide the well-being of both staff and firm. So how hard is stabilizing a workforce during the pandemic? Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> a, lot, a lot that's a, that's a that's a big question. I think yeah. I mean, um it's it's difficult and I think HR has a role, but it's not definitely not solely HR who, mm-hmm. who will be the one stabilizing the workforce. I think they'll work quite closely with leadership um, to, to make sure that, you know, everything's going to plan. Um, but ultimately like a good leader will have those instincts anyway, and HR is there to support. Um, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't solely rely, like fall on HR's shoulders, but yeah, we, we have a really great leadership team. Um, so I don't want to claim like anything that, that, 
that's been done was because of us but of course like HR has had a role in supporting those decisions and encouraging the focus on like the human aspect of you know how about thinking about how this person might feel versus this mm. person it's always like a case by case like treating people so that you're catering to their specific needs at the beginning of the of lockdowns so in the UK we had like regular updates with the rest of the business that were like both clear and transparent so I think that's really important in stabilizing a workforce during a pandemic um and yeah they're just the, like the regular communications as well like that I think that is so important um just keeping in touch it seems really basic <laughs> but um but yeah that's a that's a massive thing to consider now michelle before you were talking about leadership so does mother have a set definition for leadership or do you in your hr role have a set definition for leadership and what does leadership look like to you i think that's really tricky I think not so much on the definition side, not so much. Like I'm sure if you look up, you know, um, in your, in your HR textbooks, there is probably a definition, but mm -hmm. I think for me, like a, a leader or like a leader that I've looked up to anyway, um, they've always just like thought about the person. And I mean, it sounds really cliche, but like people focused, mm -hmm. right. So, um, when we were thinking about returning to the office we've, we our offices still aren't open just yet but when we are um our one of our leaders um was like okay how can we make this the best for people people are probably not going to want to take public transport they're probably going to prefer to ride their bikes in so let's install x amount of like bike storage places let's um build some more showers to make sure that people can shower in between like a sweaty bike ride like the, the the lengths that they go to to ensure that people are happy and supported ultimately is going to affect the work that's you know the output mm -hmm. yeah. so um the fact that they just automatically that their initial instinct is okay how can we make how can we make this better for people mm -hmm. what can we do to support them i think it's just it's admir admirable they don't have to do that i'm sure mm -hmm. people are that companies and agencies are doing a lot less than that um so yeah i think it's just really nice they obviously care so it's not just about the fact that if you do this work's going to be better i think that's just an added an added benefit for them but for the fact that their underlying um reasoning for for making these changes is just because they care so i think having that care is just such an important part of being a leader and what about leadership and you're talking about being people focused is being po people focused are you born with it or is it something that you can learn i think a bit of both like with anything there's always more you can learn there's always studies and articles and i mean coming from like you know academics at uwa are there to help leaders become better leaders mm -hmm. right um but i think there's got to be that innate care for people you can't just it's when it's false it, it's not the same so there's got to be that like inherent want to support people along yeah. with learning and how and developing how you can do that better um but yeah so both my answer to that is both <laughs> now let's talk about the techn technology side of stuff so as technology and social forces are transforming how work gets done who does it and even what work looks like human resources departments are tasked to rethink their purpose design principles and delivery methods so what trends must you pay attention to 
Yeah. So, I mean, like HR as a um, function in general has changed massively over the last, I don't know, however many years. Um, I mean, it used to be called like personnel, right? <laughs> so, um, so that the, the function of, of what used to be HR, so personnel would have been quite admin focused. It would have been about like achieving best business results. Mm. Um, so like, how can we achieve the best output, which is also what HR would be concerned with, but I think they just take a different route. So as opposed to like a traditional efficiency focused route with perhaps like a more authoritative style. So things like everyone's got to apply to this policy or everyone's, you know, got to follow this same procedure. Modern HR, especially post pandemic, I think is going to be a lot more people focused. So exactly what we were saying earlier. HR now is a more modern approach of managing people and it's more strategic based. So it's had to develop along with the rest of the world changing as well. And it now focuses on valuing the individual and their specific needs. So rather than being a blanket approach, it's becoming um, a more human centered people focused approach. Mm -hmm. And like one company I wanted to mention, which like illustrates that point was um, disruptive HR. So, Again, there's always companies like this popping up, but I really like this particular one because it was founded by Lucy Adams, which was um, the HR director of BBC once upon a time. Um, and they, their like motto <laughs> is um, um, centered around this, this model called each. So employees as adult consumer and human. So E-A-C-H. Cool. And it's basically like treating people as adults you're allowing them to, to respond as adults, treating people as consumers. That's what we do, right? We want us to, to, we want to be treated as consumers. We don't want to be treated as like a blanket approach and you like the human aspect. So, yeah. Is, is there times in your career where you've kind of gone with that blanket approach and you've gone, Oh, whoa, I need to take a step back and, you know, treat them each individual as an adult. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be some aspects of HR which have to be a blanket approach just for compliance reasons. So like there's going to be like some legal aspects where actually you, you, everyone has to do this. Otherwise yeah. we can get in trouble. You can get in trouble, that sort of thing. And also from an like equality, from a fairness point of view, you don't want to be tailoring things too much on a case sure. by case basis because then it can be seen as unfair or like discriminative. Um, so yes, um, but we always try and where possible focus on the individual yeah. for sure and, and provide like a specific um, solution for whatever's come about. So because of you said with the blanket, you know, consistently probably the blanket approach, does that mean every day is kind of the same for you or is there no typical day? For you at work definitely not definitely not the same <laughs> um especially with the pandemic as i'm sure that's been for everyone no i mean there's definitely aspects of the role that that are similar or or actually there are aspects of the role which are the same day to day like there's mm -hmm. always going to be some admin in a hr role there is that's just inevitable so i mean you know issuing contracts and following up on end dates and chatting with managers about certain issues that that sort of stuff is going to be the same but there's mm -hmm. always going to be a new person with a new problem there's always going to be a new thing happening in the world that we don't know about e.g a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> um there's you know there's always going to be new laws brought into place that we have to respond and make sure that we are we are acting in the the most com 
compliant, efficient, and productive way. So yeah, definitely not the same day by any means. Now you're talking about responding. Do you have to be quite responsive to, to changes or can you take time to put in changes or do they have to happen like really quickly? Um, depends on what we're talking about, but generally I'd say they kind of have to happen. I mean, in real time, but yep. you're, we're quite lucky as a field that, that most of mostly we're given kind of a heads up. So most the, the, the example I'm thinking of is like, um, there were these new laws brought into place around freelancers and the UK government gave us like two years notice of this happening. Mm -hmm. So you kind of like, you're given that time to prepare before these sorts of changes are enforced. But then if you're thinking, and again, I'm bringing it back to the pandemic, but if you're thinking about the pandemic, then yeah, you've got to react really quick. Um, these are people's lives we're talking about and their job, you know, a job is like a massive part of someone's life. So you can't be like, Oh, we'll get back to you in a few months. Um, so, so there are definite, it depends on what, what you're referring to, but yeah, in most of the time I'd say it needs to be done fairly quickly, but usually we're given a bit of a heads up depending on what it is. Now being in HR, no doubt you'd be quite popular via LinkedIn. People would be touching base with you, seeing if there's some job opportunities and no doubt you'd have some tips for people during the pandemic. Uh, about finding works, especially there in the UK. So what are your, your top five tips for finding work during the pandemic? So, yeah, I think like we were talking about earlier with the flexibility at work, I think it's also important for individuals or em employees or applicants, whatever mm. you want to call it, to be flexible as well. Um, I think this it just reminds me of this article I read where it was like this senior retail analyst who um who was made redundant or lost their job because of the pandemic and what they decided to do was actually work at Tesco so one of the big supermarket chains over here and he was like why not right I'm I'm supposed to be an expert in this field and why not work in the field right like hands on deck working yeah. in it and this guy in the article mentioned that it was one of the best decisions he's ever made and it's given him a totally fresh outlook. And one day when I'm sure again, he will work as a retail analyst, it's given him a completely different view on everything. So I think being flexible um, is my first tip. <laughs> um, another thing to think about would be to consider whether you would like, you would be able to work from a different status so what i mean by that is like you might be used to being an employee and having like a long-term contract role or a permanent role but why not consider like freelance opportunities mm. or maybe coming self-employed for a little while and i mean obviously you need to make sure you're also being compliant and following all the necessary <laughs> rules and everything but i think given the fact that post well not post pandemic we're still in the pandemic but the future is going to be that um, I believe anyway that employers mm. will be relying much more heavily on a contingent workforce. So they're not going to be able to have a huge amount of permanent employees. They're going to mm -hmm. have to rely on contractors or self-employed or things like that. So perhaps looking at setting yourself up in a different way. Um, so yeah, first tip was flexible. <laughs> Second tip was like, think about your worker status. The third tip would be to like, to look about look at the role you're applying for and check out the businesses that would be best suited to you. So in the pandemic, some businesses are going to be 
thriving, absolutely thriving. Like all the delivery businesses, groceries, supermarkets, anything like that. Um, food, <laughs> um, perhaps not travel, perhaps not hospitality at the moment, as much as fun as they are. Um, look at those businesses that are going to be needing people and mm-hmm. over them. Um, another tip, find, um, creative ways to get yourself noticed. So one example was this guy actually applied to mother, um, and we're called mother. He sent through like a photo frame with his mum in it and then attached his CV. (laughs) (laughs) So rather than just being like another CV in a pile of CVs, with that are done in Calibri size 11 word. <laughs> That's a nice way to get yourself noticed. Now, did he get the job though? Yes, he <laughs> certainly did. <laughs> I mean, he got an interview and then obviously he killed the interview. So yeah. he got, um, <laughs> um, and then I think worse comes to it. Well, not even worse comes to it. My last tip is if you are still really struggling to find work, think about focusing on yourself, both, professionally and personally this is never a better time than to step back and and take some time for yourself and whether that's to be you know cleaning your house or whether that's to retrain like learn a language i mean learning a language not only is could be a personal goal of yours but it could also really help your search for work in the future i mean the work like the workforce is becoming so global and Mm. being able to speak another language could really help you to get a job in the future um so yeah focusing on yourself looking at retraining that sort of thing if you are still struggling to find work maybe do another degree (laughs) maybe (laughs) return to uwa (laughs) now you're you're talking about standing out from a crowd there with with the guy's cv with the picture of his mother Let's yeah. talk about online. How do people stand out online? Are you on LinkedIn often, you know, seeing future staff or seeing the trends or people sharing articles? Like, What, what do you look for? What yeah. stands out? So um, we, I don't do, I'm not involved in the recruitment at Mother. Mm. That's quite um, outsourced in the sense that it's by agencies. I'm not sure whether that would be the same for companies in Australia, I think recruitment agencies are definitely more utilised in the UK than they are in Oz. Um, but I would, I mean, from from a UK perspective, I would definitely reach out to as many recruiters as you can. Um, and even if they don't end up finding you the right job, they can always give you tips. Mm-hmm. They can always point you in the right direction. From a LinkedIn perspective, again, because I don't work in recruitment, I'm not sort of like scouring LinkedIn for people, but there's no harm in reaching out to people via LinkedIn, via, you know, look at their website, find an email, email them, get in touch. Like, I mean, if you're tech savvy, make it look good. (laughs) Um, There's there's no harm in doing that, I think, and presenting yourself in a certain way. And Mm. we have a runner's program at Mother and there's a work experience email where people can email in to try and get help as a runner. Um, And it's only when there's an opportunity available. So... Mm. We could have like a thousand amazing candidates that have all emailed in, but we, we don't have a role at that time. But then when there is a role, we do actually go back and look through those. Yeah, cool. So, so don't be disheartened if you're not getting a response straight away. There, there could be like an amazing opportunity that's a few months away. So <laughs> now you say there's no harm in, you know, reaching out, but, yeah. but 
how can people harm their chances? Is, is there a wrong way that people have consistently maybe communicated or presented themselves? I think just not putting yourself out there is a, is a harm to finding mm-hmm. a job because how are you, how are you going to be found? It's like, you can't win the lotto if you don't enter it. Right. Yep. It's the same. I think it's the same thing, but I mean, in terms of, of harming yourself, if you do reach out, um, I think, it depends on the role. So if you're going for a role that is totally based on having good attention to detail, and then you've got like 10 typos in your CV, <laughs> um, that's probably going to hinder your chances. Yeah. That's a massive part of the role. But if in, in the same vein, if you're applying for a role that has nothing to do with detail and you've accidentally spelt something wrong, that shouldn't put, I don't think that will hold you back. Mm. So um, yeah, I think, just putting yourself out there is the main thing and super important and ways to enhance that would be obviously to research that company, make sure you know about it, know some people, know some of their work. Um, if, if this is really the one that you're keen on, you know, put that effort in, put yeah. that time. And what about yourself? Are you quite conscious of, I guess, your digital footprint of what you put out there of yourself? I, um, from a from like a professional perspective, I'm not great on LinkedIn. I actually did my very first post the other day with you, Josh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I mean, I definitely could improve my LinkedIn, and I and I would advise people to do it. I think that it it, it does help, especially now that a lot of larger agencies do use LinkedIn for recruitment. Um, it can and and you have you know your one click apply for for jobs. So if mm-hmm. there's if there's um, certain you know if there's a job that you want and your linkedin's like totally snazzy then yeah i think that's a positive um from from like a personal um social media perspective i have all my stuff on private so like my facebook my instagram that sort of thing because i think it can come across the wrong way if you if you don't have something like if people don't know you and you've got you know that I don't, I like to have just my friends and family on my personal social media, but in saying that I have my boss and all my, all my um, friends at work on social media now. (laughs) So, I mean, it's totally, it's, that's a personal choice, I think as well. No, that's good. It's, it's interesting you say that because my wife, all her uh, social media channels are private and mine are public. And she's like, why why do you want random people looking at yourself? I'm like, people want it. Like I've got nothing to hide. I'm not too worried. But yeah. uh, I've taken up enough of your time, Michelle, but I've got to ask you one more question. Now, if you could give one piece of advice to a young graduate during this pandemic, what would it be? So I feel like I might repeat myself a little bit here, but I think being open to opportunities. So putting yourself out there, I'm going to bang on about this. Um, but yeah, even if that means like we were talking about before, working in a supermarket for a little while, there's not going to be anything that that you won't benefit from Mm -hmm. you're always going to learn something new and whether that's learning about yourself that you never want to work in a supermarket again or whether that could be your future career choice you know there's always going to be something that you learn from and even if it's not even even if you don't actually work somewhere even if you just go for an interview and you don't get it that's going to have you're going to learn something from that so don't be disheartened keep putting yourself out there nothing is wasted time um 
So that is my one piece of advice. That's probably more than one. Sorry right. about that. <laughs> that's, per- that's perfect. All right, and Michelle, if people want to, who listen to this podcast and like, oh, I'd love to learn more about mother or learn more about Michelle, where's the best place to visit? So for, for mother, I would say definitely check out their website. Um, they've put a lot of effort into making that look good. So check that out. But I mean, of course, you can reach out to me as well. Um, my LinkedIn, I don't know if you can link that to this somehow. Yep. Um, I do check it, even if I don't update it from my my <laughs> side. I do check it and I do read all my messages um, or drop me an email as well. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, Michelle, really appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you. Cool. <laughs>